Hey there, welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug, I'm pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church based out of Shelton, Washington. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. I want to thank you for tuning in today. Faith Lutheran Church is a beloved, affirming community, striving to grow closer to and more like Jesus for the sake of the world. You can learn more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. Today's podcast will begin with a reading from Mark chapter 4, beginning at the 26th verse. This is a parable of Jesus that gives us a snapshot of the kingdom of God. Now, for this podcast, I came up with four interpretations of this brief parable. And each one of these interpretations offers a unique insight into God's power, God's promise for you, God's purpose for your life. Now, I'll leave you with a couple of takeaways for your week ahead. So grab your Bible. And in addition to this reading from Mark chapter 4, I'm also going to refer you to a number of other passages from the Bible for you and your family to look up, to study, and to reflect on. So now, open your Bible to the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, verse 26, as we invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us today in God's Word. Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Amen. A reading from Mark chapter 4, beginning at the 26th verse. Jesus also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. And here ends the reading. So, if you've listened to my podcast for any amount of time, you know how much I love the Bible. I love the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They focus on the life and death of Jesus of Nazareth. As Christians, we understand Jesus to be the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. So in the Gospels, there are stories about his birth, his miracles, his death, his resurrection, and his teachings. Most often in the Gospels, his teachings are in the form of parables, little stories and metaphors and riddles that are intended to point us to God and to who God is, what God is like, the kingdom of God, he calls it. There are parables about prodigal sons and good Samaritans, parables about pearls and lost coins, sheep and goats. Several parables are about growing things, like this one in Mark chapter 4. Now, if you're looking at chapter 4, you can see that, that this parable is included in a series, in a cluster of parables. There's, the first one is about a godly gardener. Then there's one about a lamp on a stand. This one's about growing seeds, followed by one comparing the kingdom of God to a mustard seed. Now, years ago, when we had first become pastors, Brenda and I went to a Bible study. Uh, it was... Uh, group of pastors, a ministerial association in the community of the first church that we served at. We sat down at the table with a dozen or so men of the cloth, as it were. They were all men, except for Brenda. And somebody prayed a prayer, 
And then we all opened our Bibles, and the leader of the group read out loud one of the parables of Jesus. I think it was the Good Samaritan. I was looking forward to engaging with the text, with the Holy Spirit, and with these colleagues. This is going to be great. But he finished reading, and he immediately closed his Bible and said with kind of a, a, one of those smiles, well, I think we all know the meaning of this parable. Kind of chuckled, and the rest of the group closed their Bibles, and the leader went on with the business of the ministerial. I was so disappointed. I mean, here's a group of people dedicated to the teachings of the greatest teacher who ever lived. But the leader of that group, at least on that day, didn't think that he or any of the rest of us had anything new to learn. Now, I tell you this story not to disparage another group or to, or to uh, make fun of a, of a leader on a given day. But I want to illustrate what it means to read and study the Bible. You see, when, when we open God's book, we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We enter into a conversation with the God of the entire universe, the God who created you, who loves you and has a purpose for your life. When you read the parables of Jesus, be curious and humble, open to the Holy Spirit. We're meant to ask questions and to listen to God, to engage with the Word itself. So when you read the Bible, please, 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 please don't ever limit God's word to the explanation of some old white guy a century ago or to what some guy once said on his We'll Preach for Food podcast. See, God's word, the Bible says, is living and active. And the parables of Jesus are, are written for a reason. They are purposely evocative and odd and flexible and layered. They're ripe with interpretation and insight. And so this simple little poem, this simple little parable, the kingdom of God is like a man planting seed in the soil. Just stop right there. When you hear this, what image comes to your mind? What's the scene in your imagination? Where do you see God in the parable? Where do you see yourself? What do you think the seed represents? What's the Spirit telling you about the kingdom of God, the power of God, the promise of God, God's purpose for your life? There's a bunch of stuff in here. As I was getting ready for this podcast, I came up with at least four ways to understand what the seed is here. We can think about the seed as God's word. We can understand the seed as the church. We can recognize the seed as Jesus, and we can know the seed as the Holy Spirit. Now let me briefly explore these four interpretations, how they shape the parable, what they say about God's power and promise, what they say about our purpose, our mission, our vision, as individuals and as the church. The kingdom of God is like a man planting seed in the soil. I think I first learned this parable to mean that the seed is God's word. That is, um, that the church was sent to plant and scatter God's word across the whole world. We study God's word together. Our hearts get filled with love and faith and the desire to share the good news with others. 
We hear the great commission of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28. Go, make disciples of all nations. You will be my witnesses, Jesus says in Luke 24, to the ends of the earth. And so we are sowers of God's word. We are the, the, the missionaries. We start churches. We invite people to become members and fellow missionaries who, to go to our neighbors near and far. And it's the power of the word itself that does the job that makes it effective. Back in the Old Testament, God assures the prophet Isaiah. He's, God says, my word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's Isaiah chapter 55. So if the seed is God's word, then the mission of the church is to tell the old, old story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. The harvest then is is the end of time when the gospel has been proclaimed to all the nations and Christ returns in glory to bring into the barn all the elect of God. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, Paul declares in the book of Romans. But then he asks, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Romans chapter 10. If the seed is God's word, then our purpose is to sow the seed, to proclaim the good news. Now others have imagined the seed as the church, the people of God, you and me. We are the body of Christ, We are the incarnation of God's love, and we're sent to embody and demonstrate God's love. And so we see Christ in others. We do acts of service in Jesus' name. And every act of kindness, every cup of cold water given to a neighbor in need is, in fact, an encounter with Christ himself. Whenever you do this to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, Jesus says, you do it to me. That's what he says in Matthew chapter 25. Or in Galatians chapter 2, when the Apostle Paul marvels that he looks at his own life and he says that he's died to Christ, and it's no longer he who lives, but it's Christ living in him. And so the message of the church, the message of every Christian, is to embody God's love, to be an instrument and foretaste of God's promised future. Will you let me be your servant? Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I might have the strength to let you be my servant too, the hymn says. God's kingdom is spread both in the mutual encounter of divine love and also in the witness to a world that's watching. An early observer of the first Christian communities marveled, see how they love each other. If God's word um, is the seed, if If the seed is the church, then it's Christ in us, Christ through us, on earth as it is in heaven, the kingdom of God becoming in our midst. Now, some people have read this parable and recognized it as a foreshadowing of Jesus' own mission, his life, his death and resurrection, that Mark placed this story in this place as as a foreshadowing of Jesus' own life. God so loved the world that he sent his only son, his offspring, his seed, so to speak, like a man planting the seed in the earth. 
Bible says that Jesus is the word that became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You could say that for 30 years, Jesus kind of grew up undetected in the world until finally he was baptized and sent to accomplish God's mission of salvation, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For the Son did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through himself. That's John chapter 3. And so in this parable, in verse 29, it says, as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts his sickle to it. Well, the Greek here conveys the sense of saying something like, when the time was right, when everything was ready, that which had been planted was handed over. Well, that's how Mark describes how Judas hands Jesus over to be crucified. And if you think about it, a sickle and a cross, they serve the same function. Harvest, cutting off, putting to death. And so on the cross, Jesus cries out, it is finished, and he breathes his last. The fruit of his labor for us and for our salvation is accomplished. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, Paul says again in Romans, because through Christ you have been set free. The old hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see what God has done, what Christ has accomplished for me on the cross. If that's the case, if if Jesus is the seed, then the mission of the church is also clear. We are to be a sign of redemption, of forgiveness and, and mercy. We love, John says, because God first loved us. And this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for others. 1 John chapter 3. The kingdom of God is as, as, as if a man went out and sowed seed in the field. The seed is God's word. The seed is God's church. The seed is our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And the seed is the Holy Spirit. The seed is the Holy Spirit planted in our hearts to produce the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Christian life, then, our hearts are, are the soil. And the Christian life is that of preparing our hearts to be good soil, to receive and cultivate and grow the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. So that especially when we face trials and tribulations and tragedies, that which the Spirit of God has planted in us will show forth. I got to see the mature fruits of the Spirit in my dad, a lifelong Christian, a lifelong Lutheran, a pastor for years. I saw the mature fruits of the Spirit in my dad during his 15-day stint in the hospital. He was battling pneumonia. And I, I saw him every day, and every person that came into his room, he treated with such dignity and grace and gentleness and gratitude. During his health crisis, his truest nature was revealed. The fruits of the Spirit were revealed in and through his interactions with those healthcare professionals. The mission and calling of the church 
and of each one of us is that our lives and our life together would conform to that of Christ Jesus, that our character would reflect the maturity, wisdom, and love of God. Have the same mind as Christ Jesus, Paul says, who, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Or again, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me, we pray. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. For the seed is the Holy Spirit. Today, the Holy Spirit invites you and me to consider the power of God, the promise of God, and the purpose of God for our lives and for for the life of Faith Lutheran Church. God's love, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's spirit is for you. Receive God's love. Tend that, to which, and tend that which God has planted in you, that your life and your character might conform to that of Christ Jesus. Proclaim the good news. Use words if necessary. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. Four quick takeaways and a closing thought. First, as we consider God's, uh, God's word as the seed. Well, if that's the case, let's take up a Bible, start reading it, find a friend or two, open up the Gospel of Mark, and get to know Jesus, what he teaches, how he treats others, what he's done for you, the life to which he calls you. We have plenty of Bibles at the church. I'd love to meet with you to help you get started, plug you into a Bible study. Number two, If we think about the seed as the church, then let's find a way to serve. I encourage you to find a a new way to serve the community or serve the world in a new way this summer. Some of us are going to Costa Rica with Corner of Love Ministries to get a fuller experience of how God wants to work in us and through us as God's instrument and signs of the kingdom. You don't have to go to Costa Rica. Help a neighbor, volunteer at Community Lifeline, pick up trash on the highway, mentor a child, visit a homebound neighbor, and then let the church office know what you're doing so we can invite others to join you. Or as we consider the seed as Jesus, then just spend some time in prayer this week. Get closer to Jesus. Write a letter to Jesus. Confess your sins, your doubts, your fears. Write Jesus a thank you note for his sacrifice for you. Invite Jesus into your heart. Invite Jesus to to create in you a life worthy uh, of following and serving him. And finally, considering the seed as the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit into your heart. Meditate on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. That's that part that talks about the nature of love. You know, love is patient and love is kind. Learn those verses by heart. Or maybe take a phrase or a characteristic of love and seek to live into that 
aspect of love in the coming week? What would it look like to cultivate patience and kindness? What would happen if you let go of envy or released a concern or issue? After all, love does not insist on its own way. What would that look like in, look like in your life? What would happen if you set aside your list of gripes or political convictions? Who could you forgive this week? What would that look like? In the end, it's striving for Christ-likeness, not to earn your salvation, but to cultivate well that which has been planted in you. And finally, this invitation to breathe. God's got this. It doesn't all depend on you. In fact, none of it depends on you. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. The invitation of God's word today is to trust in the power of God to accomplish God's purposes in your life and in the world. Now, by all means, get out there and do the work. Cultivate what you can. Pay attention to what's growing in your heart. But remember, always remember, it's not about you. It's not on your shoulders. It's all gift. Just breathe. And thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you have another take on this parable, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let me know if you'd like to get started reading the Bible or joining a a Bible group. I'd be honored to pray with you if you're going through a tough time right now. Now You can reach out to me via email, doug at faithshelton.org or through our website, www.faithshelton.org. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to this podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any other way you listen to podcasts. As always, I thank Chaz and Emily for their production work um, this week. Thank you, people of faith, for your love, for your partnership in the gospel. And all glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.